what is success? What does it mean to be successful? And and what I mean by that, I want to look today at what the if we looked at the Bible and if we use the Christian worldview, what does it mean to be successful? Um, there's nothing wrong with being ambitious, having goals, having desires. We should have those. I believe we're seeing um, a society and we see young people that really have no purpose, no vision for their lives. And, and that's not good. That, um, that, that You tend to get in trouble if you have no purpose and no vision and, and nothing to do, right? <laughs> um, so it's not, it's, not, it's not bad to have ambitions. I don't want you to get that. We're going to get that out of the way to, to begin. We should be ambitious. We should have goals. Our desire should be to be fruitful and multiply, to be productive. That was one of the first things God told His creation. But when we get to the end of our lives, I don't want us, I don't want me, that's why I was thinking about this. I don't want me. I don't want us uh, to get to the end of our lives and be successful in the things that don't really matter. Wouldn't it be sad to get to the end of your life and you've, you've been a great success in things that really don't amount to much? Um, Brother Sam last week preached from Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Let's read that. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And I want to say that when he says that's your reasonable service, the word translated service there literally means to worship. God, if you want to worship God, how are you going to worship God? Present your body a sacrifice to Him. Try to live holy. Try to live acceptable in His sight. That's how you worship God. And it says, And be not conformed to this world, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I thought he did a great job last week explaining to us that the world is trying to conform us to its image. The world's trying to get us to think like it thinks and, and desire what it desires. And so as we think about what it means to be successful, and we all want to be successful, I hope, um, we, we don't want to define our success by what the world says is successful. And if you were to ask People, they may not say this, but we can just see by what we spend our time doing, uh, by the people that we admire, the people we look up to, we, we, des- we think we define success as a culture in terms of being famous, in terms of being wealthy, in terms of being educated, and in having power, right? That's, that's what people desire. And so I want to look at those four things this morning, then try to look at what I believe the Bible would teach us, not what I think is successful, what the Bible would teach us about truly being successful. So if we look at fame, um, uh, you know, the way we would it, would, it would be different throughout generations, but the way we would probably define fame today in 2022 is how many people do you have following you on social media? <laughs> how many do you influence, right? That's, that's how we define fame. I found this interesting. In 2019, uh, the parent company that make Legos. Any of any of y'all play with Legos? We have Legos at our house. I like Legos, and and that's a company that wants to know what are young people interested in, right? Um, they did a study on what do young children want say they want to be when they grow up. How many of y'all are, are today what you wanted to be when you grew up, when you were when you were growing up? 
Some of y'all are shaking your head no, probably not. I wanted to be the guy that rides on the back of the garbage truck. That was my desire. When I, that looks so cool. <laughs> I don't even know if they do that anymore. That's what I wanted to be, though, when I was a kid. Um, and you know what? There's nothing wrong with that. I remember Larry Bird, who's one of my favorite basketball players of all time. I, I believe it's when he was in college at Indiana State. He quit, went back home, and became a garbage man. You know, he worked in sanitation. And he said, he was quoted as saying, when I got back to French Lick, Indiana, I wanted to be the best garbage man French Lick had ever seen. <laughs> That's the kind of attitude we should have, right? Whether we're, it doesn't matter what we're, what we're doing. You know, if we just need to do it to the best of our ability, right? And to the honor of God. That's, that's a good attitude to have. But so Lego does this story or does this research to find out what children want to be when they grow up. And they found that one third, 33% of kids between the ages of eight and 12 aspire to either be a vlogger or a YouTuber. <laughs> that's what they want to be. <laughs> they want to be famous, right? They want to be, that's, that's how, that's how kids today, if you want to know what a kid's, maybe when, when you were a kid, maybe it was, if I could be like Elvis, that would be famous. Or when I was, if I could be Michael Jordan, I would be famous. Well, today kids define success by people on Instagram and Facebook and YouTube and, and vloggers and influencers. That's what they define as being successful. They want to be celebrities, right? <laughs> There's a Brad Paisley song that says, when you're a celebrity, it's adios reality. Uh, it says, you can act just like a fool and people will think it's cool <laughs> because you're on TV. <laughs> a lot of these people are foolish that we're looking up to. <laughs> and, um, but I went to look, just, just, I think I've quoted this here before. It might have been years ago at an afternoon service. I can't remember. But the, the most Instagram followers in America today uh, – as a soccer player, Cristiano Ronaldo has 517 million people that follow him on Instagram. That's a lot of people, isn't it? Every time he posts something, they see it. Justin Bieber's number two. Ariana Grande's number three. Selena Gomez is number four. Taylor Swift is number five. The Rock, Dwayne Johnson's number six. And Katy Perry, Kylie Jenner. They all have over 300, 400 million people that follow them. If I said those names today and you said who, you're blessed. <laughs> okay. But we can see that those are the people that, that the world would say are the most famous people in the world, right? And that, that, would, that would be, they would be successful. You would define them as successful. In case you're wondering, I have an Instagram account. I looked it up yesterday. I have 62 followers. <laughs> See, y'all don't have a successful preacher in the eyes of... And that's a lot of people will judge, is he a successful pastor or not? Whether does he have influence on the internet, right? Um, I got 62 followers. I, don't, I, I looked, I haven't even posted a picture. I need to get to posting stuff on there so people will follow me. <laughs> is, fame, is fame what makes us successful? I want to go to John chapter 6. Because we want to look at Jesus, right? I, Jesus was the most successful person that's ever been on this earth. Amen? <laughs> um, so as we look at the life of Jesus, I want to say, is, is fame what defines a person as successful? In John chapter 6, uh, it says that after these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Tiberias, or excuse me, the Sea of Galilee, which is 
in the sea, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great multitude followed him. So here, he's got a great multitude of people following him because they saw the miracles which he did on, on them that were diseased. So Jesus has this great multitude of people following after him. To the world, they would say, this guy must be a success because all kinds of people are following him. And Jesus went up into a mountain and there he sat with his disciples. And the, Pass and the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was not. So Jesus is already showing us that he's acting countercultural to what the world would say is success because he has a great multitude following him and he goes away from the great multitude. Y'all see that? Now, uh, the great multitude comes back to find Jesus and, and they don't have anything to eat. And so Jesus feeds the 5,000 uh, with just a few uh, you know, just a few loaves of bread, just a few fish. Uh, we, we understand that. We've, we've read that story before. And it says in verse 14, Then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, This is of a truth, that prophet that should come into the world. When Jesus therefore per perceived that they would come and take him by force to make him a king. <laughs> now you talk about fame and wealth. And, and power. Here, here are the people they want to go and they want to make him a king. It says he departed again into the mountain himself alone. See, Jesus knew that he had a kingdom. He would go on in John chapter 18 and say, I have a kingdom that is not of this world. And so Jesus is already showing us here that having a great following or being famous in and of itself does not make you successful. Jesus would go on to teach as the people would seek Jesus again, the multitudes would come to Jesus again, and he would begin to teach things such as uh, verse 44, that no man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him, and I will raise him up on the last day. And he would begin to say things like, I'm the bread of life that came down from heaven, and, and to begin to talk in ways that the multitudes didn't understand, and, and they, did, they didn't they didn't desire to, to hear things that way. And, and when you're saying things like, no man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him. And then later on, uh, he's going to go on and he's going to say uh, that the, the flesh profits nothing. <laughs> let's, let's listen to this. He, he says in verse 60, it says after he's, after he's teaching these things, it says, many therefore of his disciples... When they had heard this, they'd heard his teachings. They said, this is a hard saying. Who can hear it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples. Now, listen, this isn't people who aren't born of the spirit. This isn't people who aren't interested in Jesus. These are people who are following him as disciples. Do y'all get that? It says when, he, when his disciples murmured at his teaching and said unto them, he said unto them, does this offend you? What and if you shall see the son of man ascend up? where he was before. It is the spirit that quickens. Listen to this now. The flesh profits nothing. <laughs> See, when you begin to preach a type of message to people that says, you can't come to me on your own accord. The Father has to draw you unto me. When you begin to tell people that their very flesh, their will profits nothing, that it's all of God, it's not a popular message. And it says in verse 66, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. And then said Jesus unto the twelve, will you also go away? It doesn't sound like to me. Now, Jesus is probably, well, no doubt, Jesus is the most famous man, if you want to say that, that's ever walked the face of the earth. Now, 
But at this time, people, even though he is, if a man took a few loaves of bread and a few fish and fed 5,000 people, it probably wouldn't matter what he said later. I don't want to listen to him, wouldn't you? (laughs) But here, everybody walks away from him. And instead of turning to his disciples and saying, what did I say wrong? What could I do better? He just says, well, you go away also because he wasn't worried about fame. After he would walk and talk with his disciples for three and a half years, he would would heal sick people, uh, blind people, he'd give them back their sight, deaf people, he'd he'd give them back the ability to hear. He would die, go into a grave, and, and, and be raised again, brought back to life. It says in Acts chapter 1, I believe it's verse 15, that there was only 120 people left following him. So if your fame, the number of people that you influence, the number of people that follow you is how you base your success, you would have to say Jesus wasn't successful in his earthly ministry. Are y'all have the courage to say that? Because I don't. So we know that fame is not it. What about wealth, money, a career? Certainly, nothing wrong with that. A lot of people's goal in life is to just accumulate things, right? Um, I don't know if you ever watched, Brother Cody's not here today, but him and I talked about it recently. Um, it was uh, DuckTales. That was a show as a cartoon when I was a kid, and I think they brought it back now. And one of the main characters was Scrooge McDuck, and he was the richest duck in all the world. <laughs> and he had a vault full of gold, and he would dive into the vault and swim through his gold. <laughs> And a lot of people, when they think about their goals, that really is, whether they'd say it or not, that really is their goal, to accumulate stuff, money. Now look, there's nothing wrong with having money, possessions, a good career. That's, that's great. Many people have been blessed by people with possessions, right? Who is it that creates jobs? It's people with money to create jobs for people, right? I'm, I'm thankful for that. Many, uh, many people give of their, their, their wealth to the charities, to help people. That's all good. Abraham was rich. David was rich. Joseph of Amarathea. We have biblical characters who did great things that were wealthy and God had blessed them. So there's nothing wrong with having wealth as long as your wealth doesn't have you, right? As long as it doesn't possess you, you're good. But it's, it's, it's tricky because the accumulation of things, uh, the accumulation of money, of wealth, um, is, a, is how the world, one of the ways the world will say you're successful. Um, this week I was out in the yard and I found an iPhone. And it was mine at one time. Um, and it was just laying in our yard. <laughs> uh, I think the kids use it now to pretend like when they're outside playing. Now at one time I was very happy to have that iPhone. Think about that. <laughs> And I don't know if it was a, well, I remember the first time I ever saw an iPhone, do y'all? I remember where I was. But it doesn't work anymore. It's old. It probably couldn't even work if you wanted it to. They create them to be obsolete in a few years anyways, right? It's a good business model. But the kids were just playing with it and then throwing it in the yard, and I didn't even go pick it up. At one time, I was very happy to have this thing. And now it's just laid in the yard. Probably get rained on this afternoon. And I don't even care. See, the accumulation of stuff isn't what life's all about. We have a board game that the kids like to play sometimes. I really don't like to play it. It's called Life. (laughs) You ever played Life? 
you know who wins in the in the board game of life? Whoever gets to the end, not who has the most kids, <laughs> not who has the best uh, legacy that they leave. Whoever, once they pay their debts, whoever has the most money wins at the game of life. <laughs> That's how a lot of people see the actual life. It's whoever dies with the most stuff wins. <laughs> That's not life. That's not success, biblical success, because Jesus would say things like the foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man, Jesus Himself, He says, I have nowhere to lay my head. <laughs> when Jesus was on the cross dying for our sins, He looks to His mom and says, and, and, he's, and I believe he's, he, I can just see it now. He's looking at John as well, the apostle. And he says, behold, thy, thy mother or behold, thy son. And then he looks at John and says, behold, thy mother. And from that time, it says that Mary went to his house to live with him. So Jesus, at the end of his life, didn't have an, enough possessions, didn't have anything. that He couldn't say, Mom, I know I'm dying for the sins of the world, but I'm going to put you up in a real nice retirement home. I've accumulated all these goods so I can take care of you. No. He was relying on other people. See, listen, this should be sobering. We are all living a more luxurious life today than Jesus Christ did 2,000 years ago. Every one of us. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know how much money you got in your bank account. Whatever it is, you're living better than your Savior did. That's sobering, isn't it? So if accumulating things is what success is, then Jesus wasn't successful. What about education? We won't stay long on that, but um, it is interesting when Jesus called his disciples, his apostles, his preachers, those that would go out. I mean, he would call men like Paul who were highly educated, but for the most part, he called common people and he didn't call the ones that were educated. He, he educated the ones he called on what to do. You understand that? And in, in Acts chapter four, it says they took notice that these people had been, these were common people <laughs> and they had been with Jesus. Um, in Mark chapter 12 and verse 37, I don't want to, we won't get into the whole verse, but at the end of that verse, it says, and the common people heard him gladly. <laughs> Isn't it interesting that the religious elite, the well-educated, the noble, all of them, they questioned Jesus and they tried to trip Jesus up and they tried to um, get rid of Jesus and they tried to shut Jesus down. But the common people, it says, received him gladly. <laughs> I think that's been true throughout all of, of the history of the church. Is that see Jesus? Uh, Paul would say things like, um, "For you see your call." This is First Corinthians chapter one, verse twenty-six. For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many not mighty, not many noble are called, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things that are mighty, and the base things of the world and the things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are." that no flesh should glory in his presence. So we got Paul talking about the flesh can't glory in his presence. We got Jesus saying the flesh is completely unprofitable. I think that's something that the Bible teaches that by yourself, you're no good. <laughs> but with God, all things are possible, right? There's a balance there. Are y'all with me today? Are you listening? <laughs> Brother Sam used to say that. Are you listening? I know I've said this for a while. I used to think wine. Then I started preaching. Are you listening? <laughs> the common people heard Jesus. The, the, I wrote down the definition of that word. The usual, the ordinary, of no rank or superior excellence. Applied to men, it signifies not noble, not distinguished by noble descent, and not distinguished by office, character, 
or talents, a common man. <laughs> See, to the world, they'd say, that's just a common man. He can't be successful. But would you rather be the religious elite who despised Jesus and had him crucified or the ones that gladly heard him? I can tell you which ones were happier. The common people. What about power? We'll talk about power for just a moment. Power, I want to say this, of all of them, whether it be wealth or fame or uh, money uh, or, or education, I believe power might be the most deceptive of all those things. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it, power corrupts people. Did y'all know that? It does. Um, there's a quote that says, with great power comes great responsibility. I had to look up where did that come from? Because I wanted to quote that to you today, and I knew it from Spider-Man. <laughs> but I knew I knew I couldn't say that's what Spider-Man said because y'all wouldn't think I was smart. <laughs> so you can y'all Google it today. I don't know who said it the first time. <laughs> well, I know I know it's Spider-Man said it. <laughs> um, whoever said it, it's true. Because if you want to see the true character of someone, give them a little power, and their true character will come out. Um, a, lo a lot of people turn into just little little tiny tyrants when they get a little bit of power. And and the Bible would talk about that. And um, we were we were at a we went to a pool yesterday, uh, like a public pool, and we had a great time. And um, and of course, I was thinking about this sermon, and and uh, and I couldn't help but the lifeguards. You know, there's four or five teenage lifeguards, and and they're there for to help. I understand that. But I couldn't help but think they were getting a little kick out of blowing that whistle at kids. <laughs> I mean, I could just see it. They kind of liked it. Um, but we, we, have to, we have to understand that in our flesh, is, it dwells no good thing, right? In, in, the, in our natural man, we have this urge for power. And if we get it, uh, we're likely to abuse it, right? That's um, not not to be political, but that's why we shouldn't want the government to have complete power over us because most of the time, would y'all say we got the best of the best and the brightest of the brightest ruling over us? <laughs> I wouldn't. <laughs> no matter what side you're on. <laughs> I don't want those people having power over my life. Okay? And we should thank God that he's placed us in a place where we can have the freedom to make our own decisions, right? Um, in the household codes, like in Ephesians chapter 6, um, when Paul would talk to servants and he would say in verse 9 of Ephesians 6, and ye masters do the same things unto them for bearing, threatening, knowing that your master also in heaven, that your master is also in heaven, neither is there respect of persons with him. He was saying to those that have the power over the servants, you need to forbear threatening. You need to act in a way that is becoming of a Christian. You need to, you, you, you need to, to make the decision to show the kindness that you are going to restrain the power that you have. See, Jesus would say that all power in heaven and in earth is given unto me. <laughs> but yet He would say, I am, we, I am, I am meek and lowly. <laughs> He had his power under control. Do y'all see that? And we want to be we want to be more like Jesus, right? It was First Peter chapter five begins like this: The elders which are among you, I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. And he says to the elders of the church, this would be to people like me: Feed the flock of God which is among you, 
taking the oversight thereof. See, see, the elder is to be a leader in the church. If the elder's not leading, then the church doesn't have doesn't the church isn't functioning properly, right? See, the 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 elder of the church, the pastor of the church is to feed the church, is to lead the church, to be an example to the church. This is not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples or examples to the flock. See, Peter knew that it was important to tell the elders that yes, you are called to lead, but 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 remember, those are God's people, and you're not to lead in a tyrannical way, right? You're to you're to lead in a loving way, in a kind way. Um, see, whether it's me or another pastor, or another elder that comes into this church, if if you sense that those people are mean, abusive. That's not the kind of pastor you want. That man's not, that man's not, probably not called to lead a church and he's not equipped to lead a church if he can't do it in kindness. There's times you have to say things that are real. You have to th say things that may step on people's toes. You say things that may, uh, people may not like. But you do it in such a way not to be tyrannical, not to be cruel, not to be hurtful. Oh, I could get up here. <laughs> I could air <laughs> if y'all want to have it I could give it to you <laughs> but what good would that do because that's not what Jesus always that's not what Jesus did was it now there were times that Jesus got real and there were times that Jesus got mean but not even to his disciples there were times he went in and flipped the tables over and, and, and whipped people in the temple but that wasn't to his disciples See, to his disciples, he was kind, wasn't he? And he was loving, encouraging. And there were times that he'd get real. But I think he did it in a loving way. And that's the kind of leader we want in our churches, right? That's the kind of leader we want at home. That's the kind of, that's the kind of coach I want or boss I want. That's, that's what leadership, biblical leadership looks like. So it's not fame. It's not wealth. It's not education. It's not power. And all those things can be good and used to the glory of God, right? But that's not what we're seeking. That's not, that's not the goal of life. I want to turn with you to Mark chapter 8. It says in verse 34, Mark chapter 8, when he had called the people unto him with his disciples also, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself, Take up his cross and follow me. <laughs> so he's saying to those, to the people who want to come after me and follow me, to the people who want to learn of me and be more like me and devote their life uh, to living after the way that I say to live, he says, if you're going to come unto me, number one, you got to deny yourself. Number one, you got to take up an instrument of death and then follow me. That's that's not. That is not the way the world would say to get a following, is it? <laughs> but he says, if you're going to come after me, you're going to have to live a life of self-denial. Take up your cross and follow me. Then he says, for whosoever shall or will save his life shall lose it. He's going to say, your desires, remember, not bad to have desires, not bad to have goals, not bad to have dreams, but 
whosoever will save his life will have to lose those dreams. They will have to go to the back burner if you're going to actually deliver yourself from this world. If you're not going to be conformed to the image of this world and desire what this world desires and to follow after what this world follows after, you're going to have to put your desires, your goals, those things go to the back burner. And he says, here's the promise. Whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and for the Gospels, the same shall save it. He says, if you'll put uh, what the world says is success on the back burner and you will follow me, what it really means to be successful, those are the people that will actually, when they get to the end of their life, they may not have as much money. They may not have as much fame. They may, they may not have what the world says that you have to have to be successful, but those are the people that at the end of their life are actually going to be delivered in this world. They're those people. And listen to this. This is the most sobering question that, that we're going to ask today. Jesus says, For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world, if he has all the knowledge of the world, he has all the money in the world, he has all the fame in the world, he has all the power in the world, What's it going to profit a man if he has all that, but he loses his own soul? If he's miserable, if he's depressed, if he's, if he's down all the time, if he's never satisfied, if he's never content, if you've got it all and you still want more, then you have lost your own soul. Here's a, here's a sneak peek into in a lot of those vloggers and a lot of those YouTubers and a lot of those people that we follow. They, it, their lives may look beautiful. Their lives may look... Awesome. Their lives may look successful, but I'm not saying all of them, but a, a large, probably majority of them on the inside, their lives are miserable. Miserable. You can think about Elvis Presley. Probably if you're in that 8 to 12 group, you're saying, who is Elvis Presley? <laughs> Google him. <laughs> um, if ever a man, if ever a man was to be successful, it would have been him, right? I'm sure he could have run for president and won, hands down, right? <laughs> he could have done whatever he wanted. But you can YouTube some of his last concerts and see a man that had gained the world but lost his soul. A man that loved, they would say he would love to stay up at night singing hymns of the faith. How great thou art. The songs that he grew up hearing but he lost his life to fame and to drugs, to abuse. I believe he's in the throne <laughs> worshiping God today. But he lost his soul here on earth. What good is it if you gain the whole world but lose your very soul? So what is it to be successful, Brother Josh? Success is, is defined as the, the favorable or prosperous termination of anything attempted, a termination which answers the purpose intended. So when, um, let's say a rocket, a man creates a rocket ship and they have a, you know, they launch it from Cape Canaveral or, or somewhere. If the rocket goes up to where it's supposed to go and it comes back, <laughs> if it's supposed to come back, they say that was a successful mission, right? But the rocket goes up and it goes somewhere it's not supposed to or it never goes up or it goes up and it blows up or it doesn't come back to where it was supposed to go. They say that was a failure, right? 
See, to be a success in terms of what the Bible says, what the very definition is, it is to do what you're created to do. Jesus is the very best example of all this, right? The angel said to Joseph, she, she shall bring forth a son, thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. He said in, in, in John chapter 6, we were reading from that chapter earlier, that I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will, which has sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose none, but raise it up again at the last day. You say, was Jesus a success or not? I believe he was, don't y'all? <laughs> Jesus was a success. Jesus didn't leave any part undone to save his people. He was a complete, successful Savior. He was a success. He did what he came to do. Okay, I've, I've quoted this verse many times in, 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 since I've been preaching here. And I've done, I know I've done it recently. But turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are His workmanship, the product of His hands. We are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. What does it mean to be a success in the terms of what the Bible would define as success? It means to do what you were created to do. To walk a lifestyle of doing good. When Peter was preaching after he comes to Cornelius in Acts chapter 10, it says of the life of Jesus that he went about doing good. It wasn't a one-time act. How many of y'all can, you can do something real good and you can feel real good about it? <laughs> that's, that's not, we weren't created to do good every once in a while. He says that God has before ordained, but he, he has before ordained that we should walk in good works. That means that your life is devoted to doing good. How are we going to find what it means to do good? In the Word of God, right? That's where we go to find what is it to be successful? What is it to be a husband? What is it to be a wife? What is it to be a pastor? What is it to be a dad? A mom? It is found in the Word of God. The good works that are in the Word of God. So I'm going to give you a few things that I believe if you can do these things, you will be successful based on the Word of God. And when, and when you get these things down, then chase your dreams. <laughs> go be the best... Uh, uh, basketball player you can be, the best attorney you can be, the best teacher you can be, the best whatever it is that you want to be, go do it to the glory of God and to the best of your ability. But if you, if you do all that but miss this, you will die and your life will not be a success determined based on the Word of God. Here's what Jesus said when He came in preaching in Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. It says, Now after John was put into prison, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Here's some good works that you can start doing that God has ordained you should do. Repent. Repent. I don't know what's bothering you in your life, but I can guarantee you every one of us has some kind of sin, some kind of uh, mistake that we constantly make, some kind of something that... that that, that keeps us from truly following God the way we could follow God. And Jesus is saying, here's a work you can do. Repent of those things. Turn away from those things and believe the Gospel. 
You say, belief is not a work, is it? Yes, Jesus is saying you've got to repent and you've got to believe just as much as repentance is a work, belief is a work. If you don't believe that, you've never truly tried to believe. You say, how could God create all this in six days? I don't know, but I believe it. <laughs> how, how, is, how, how was a man in the belly of a whale for three days and three nights and, and cast back up on the land and he didn't die? I don't know, but I believe it. Do y'all believe that? I believe, I believe that's where peace and comfort comes in with just believing it. I don't have to explain everything. If you want, if you want everything explained, you're going to be miserable. <laughs> Use the faith that God has given you just to believe it, right? Faith is the substructure of things hoped for. If you can't use the faith that God's given you, you're going to be miserable. Some things you just got to believe by faith. How did a man die? Go into a tomb and come back out three days later. I don't, because the Bible says it, he did it. I believe it. I believe that God's coming back one day to redeem our bodies and to, and to glorify us, to render us excellent and to be with him forever. I don't know how he's going to do it, but I believe it. Do y'all believe it? But guess what? There's days I don't, there's days I really just don't believe it. I mean, there's days it's hard for me to believe it. There's days that I don't have the faith that I want to have. I'm going to be like that dad in Mark chapter 9 that says to Jesus, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. How many of y'all have unbelief? How many of y'all struggle in your faith from time to time? That's common to man. But there's, I believe that dad did the right thing, didn't he? He went to the one that can give him more faith. He went to the one that can strengthen his faith. He went to his help, his refuge, his strength. And he said, help me. So that's, that's a work you can do. How about reading the Word of God? Studying the Word of God. Paul, Paul said to Timothy, till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. I know some of you aren't, aren't going to exhort the church. You're not, you're not given to teach the doctrine of the church. But listen, if it was good for Paul to tell Timothy, it's good for you. Give yourself to reading of the Word every day. Read a chapter. Maybe you didn't read, maybe you didn't read a single chapter of the Bible this week. I'm not here to put you down. I'm saying this week, read one. Read one. You say, where do I start? Genesis. <laughs> Normally when I start like a series, if I find a series I'm going to watch on Netflix, I don't start in season four, episode six. I start at the beginning. What about y'all? Just start at the beginning. Start in Matthew. Start in Genesis. Read two chapters. <laughs> you can do it. <laughs> God hadn't called you all to just labor in the Word of God for hours a day so you can preach on Sunday. But He has called you to read some. <laughs> study some. Study to show... That's what Paul would tell Timothy. Study to show yourself approved, right? Paul, we started off by reading in Romans chapter 12 that you could prove what is the will of God. You want to be approved before God? Study His Word. Get a, get a, get a dictionary out. and just to, this will, this will, It will blow your mind. Take Philippians chapter... Well, I just said to start Matthew and Genesis, didn't I? If you've read some before, take Philippians chapter 1 and define the words. Get you a Webster's 1828 dictionary. That's a good, solid dictionary. And, and the words, you don't know what they mean, define them. Write them down. You'll be amazed how the Word of God will just pop off the page to you. Your mind will be going and, and time will pass. Read. Study. You know, I believe it was Solomon said, much study is weariness to the bones. It's work. It's work to do that. Prayer. Jesus said that, that, that men ought 
always to pray and never to cease and never to faint. Pray. I'm going to ask you all this. Nobody raise your hand. How many people didn't pray this week? Start out with a prayer in the morning. Start out with a, with a prayer when you go to bed. It doesn't have to be long prayers. Some of the greatest prayers ever are just short prayers, aren't they? Just pray. That's, that's, that's a successful life. If you're given to prayer, given to reading the Word of God, if you're relying on God, and, and repentance is a... Con- I, I, I don't... I don't know um, if God blesses me to be a hundred and I'm still at this church sitting over here or laying over here. <laughs> I bet I'll still be repenting of something every day. It's a, it's a lifetime. What about, here's the last one, helping other people and living a holy life. James said that pure religion, undefiled before God, is to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. That's helping others and living a holy life. I was Elder Guy Hunt. I believe I either heard him say this or read it in an article he had written about people coming to him and asking, and, and, I, and I understand this as a pastor, people will come and say, we need to do something. We need something to do. We need something. You know, some people, there's nothing wrong with being an active church. We want to be an active church, but a lot of people view activity as success, right? Activity alone is not successful. We need something to do. We need something to do. We need something to do. He said, I gave them James 127. <laughs> said, when you get through helping everybody and keeping yourself unspotted for the world, come back, I'll give you something to do. <laughs> It's a full-time job, isn't it? And so, if, if, if you're hearing this today and you say, Brother Josh, that doesn't sound like success to me. <laughs> Getting up in the morning and praying and reading my Bible and, and, and repenting of things that I like to do <laughs> and, and relying on Jesus for my help and not myself, that doesn't sound like success to me then you need to rethink success. You probably have been influenced by this world. No, you have been influenced by this world. If you say that, Paul said to Timothy, I want you to pray for those that are in leadership, to those who have power, so that we might lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness. See, success, he, that, that was success as defined by the Bible. That you lead a drama-free, quiet life. Right? (laughs) How many of y'all would like to live a drama-free life? (laughs) How many of y'all feel more like the Kardashians than the Waltons? (laughs) I want to be more like the Waltons, don't (laughs) y'all? How are we going to do it? Well, we've talked about renewing our mind, but I want to turn with you to the book of Joshua for just a moment. Joshua is about to have a task. God has called him to lead the children of Israel into this promised land. He's going to take over from Moses. And I don't know what God has called you to do. Um, and, and I believe that God does put desires on people's hearts that are not bad. And, and so... 
if you've got children, I know God's called you to be a parent. If you've got grandchildren, God's called you to be a grandparent. If you've got a spouse, you know, God's called you to be a good spouse. Um, but whatever it may be that God's called on you to do, um, God calls us at times to do hard things like He had called Joshua. And I believe God calls us to be successful in those things and to be a success in life. And so he says in verse 5, There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so will I be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. And I want to tell you that same thing is true of God to you today. If you're trying, God will be with you. Do y'all believe that? That's what, when Jesus came to His disciples at the end of His earthly ministry, He's going to ascend back into heaven. He says, go you into all the world and teach. He says, and I want you to baptize in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. Now, he is calling his disciples to go into a pagan world and teach them what the, 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 the God that we believe, the triune God, the, the, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. He says, I want you to teach them. Not only, I don't just want you to get them to, to accept it quick enough that you can baptize them, but after you baptize them, I want you to teach it in such a way that they devote their lives to it. They observe to do all that I've commanded you. That's a hard task, isn't it? But you know, he started that by saying, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. And he ended that by saying, lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. That's in Matthew chapter 28, uh, verses 18 and, and through 20. God's with you. Don't forget that. God's with you. God, God, God calls us to be successful people and do great things. But He's with us. So He says in verse 6 to Joshua, Joshua chapter 1, be strong and of a good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand nor to the left that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. Where does becoming a success where are you going to determine? Where is the battlefield that you're fighting on? It's between your ears. It's, it's your mind. The world that wants to conform you to their image is after your mind. They're after the mind of your child. They're after the mind of your friends. They're after your mind. They're after your parents' mind. The world is... It is Satan has got a full court press out for your mind. He wants to trap your mind disturb your mind, to warp your mind. And the tool that God has given us to be more like Him is His Word. Jesus prayed, I believe in John chapter 17, He said, sanctify them through Thy Word. Thy Word is truth. If you want to sanctify to become more like God, to set yourself apart from this world, you got to be in His Word. And that's what He was telling Joshua, wasn't it? This law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night that thou may observe to do according to all that is written therein. What is it to be a success? It is to be a doer, right? To go about doing good. To do the works that God has ordained from, the, from before the world that we should walk in them. The things that God has said to do. Repentance and belief 
and, and prayer and reading and studying and helping others and living holy. That's what God has called you to do. And you're not going to do it unless you're meditating upon His Word and upon His goodness and upon His church, upon His people. And that's what He's telling Joshua. He says, you shall meditate therein day and night. It's a lifestyle. It's not from, from 10.30 to 12 on Sunday. That's not going to... If you are filling your mind from Monday or from Sunday afternoon until Sunday morning with the, wor with the world, you're not going to be a success in what I'm defining as success. But if day in and day out, morning and night, you are, look, you can't, you can't, you, you can't just be like a monk and go off and live uh, uh, your, your entire life secluded and, and, and doing nothing but studying the Word of God. You can't do that. Jesus knew that. Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. That's the, that's the primary thing we're to focus on. But throughout the day, you know, you're, you're, God has given you a brain that is so awesome that you can, you can be doing multiple things or thinking about multiple things at once. And, and the Word of God can be a common thread throughout your entire day that you shall meditate therein day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then... You shall make your way prosperous, and then you shall have good success. That is the key to leading a successful life.